Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, or occasionally a 7800 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 54. Thanks for listening. Welcome back everybody. January's rolling along as I record this. Winter where I live has been incredibly mild. Knock on wood. Uh, here we go. A lot of rain lately, which is a little bit problematic but it could be a lot worse. So, what's to complain about? In the world, I think you've heard an episode or so since some of the stuff happened, but since I recorded last, there's been an outgoing and an incoming. I guess I could look at it that way. Uh, I think I mentioned last time I recorded that I was getting ready to watch the finale of the BBC show Sherlock. Uh, For me, it was airing that night as I recorded it. I've seen it now. It was, strictly speaking, just the finale for the season, season four, but it felt very much like a finale of the series, probably because Benedict Cumberbatch, which is just a really, really fun name to say, and um, and, uh, this guy who plays Watson, whose name has suddenly disappeared from my brain. Um, But at any rate, they both have become incredibly popular actors uh, in film and television. Uh, the Watson guy, of course, was uh, Frodo in the uh, Hobbit movies. Or excuse me, was Bilbo in the Hobbit movies. He's done TV and stuff. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in like a slew of movies, including Doctor Strange, which I actually haven't seen yet. So the, the episode I thought was great. It was one of those where you, you kind of knew from the start. Uh, the setup was you, you kind of know how it's going to end and what the beats are going to be. But it was done so well that it kept you compelled. And really, the series Sherlock has taken enough twists and turns. I'm, I'm trying to be vague here for anyone who wants to still see it. But the series has taken enough twists and turns that you, even though you kind of expect what the conventions are going to be and how the thing's going to end, you weren't necessarily certain they were going to go that way. Uh, and they kind of kept you guessing up until the end. And, and that's good television. But it also felt very much like a, yeah, this is the last time we're making a Sherlock. So... Uh, but that's okay. They went out on a high note. So that was the outgoing. You know, goodbye, Sherlock. Uh, probably forever. But, you know, never say never. The incoming, of course, since I last recorded. We have a new president. Today is January 22nd. The 45th president was inaugurated on Friday, the 20th. And, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Um, I'll just leave that there. Um, you know, we'll just move on quietly from that. Sort of tiptoe away. Atari movie update. That's always on my news list. I don't really have an Atari movie update. I haven't heard anything. I'm still hopeful that 2017 is going to bring me a big fat uh, movie deal. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to this week's game. This week, we're launching ourselves, propelling ourselves, if you will, to the future. I paid good money for this Atari 7800, and by dookie, I'm going to use it. By dookie isn't really a phrase, by the way. Don't adopt that as a cool catchphrase you learn from Atari Bytes, because I don't think it's a real thing. But I feel like, you know, I got the 7800. 7800 games uh, are fun. I'm going to work those into the show. And this week, we've got a good one. Uh, Double Dragon. It's from Activision. 
Steady Bill. I might have just peed a little. We do love us some Activision on this podcast. And, of course, it's the 7800 version of Double Dragon. There is a 2600 version, of course, which I've never played. Uh, I've played Double Dragon in the arcade. I've played it now, obviously, on the 7800. I uh, never tried this 2600 version. I don't know what it's like. I don't know if it's better or worse or the same, more or less. If any of you have uh, played the 2600 version, let me know if it's one I should get or one I should avoid and kind of what you thought about it. We will start, as we always do, with taking a look at the manual for Double Dragon, which has a sweet, sweet picture of Billy and Jimmy Lee, the brothers who uh, star in the game on the cover. Uh, they're both very muscly and ab-y uh, with their, uh, I don't know what they got going on for outfits. In this picture, it looks like sort of a leather vest and maybe jeans or something with some sort of weird uh, dystopian leggings, uh, leg warmers. Uh, in the game, it looks more to me like they're wearing wrestling singlets, possibly with leg warmers as well. This was the 80s after all. This big sticker kind of looking thing on the cover that says it's a number one arcade hit. Uh, I can attest to that uh, because my friends and I put a lot of quarters into Double Dragon at the arcade. The cover also has a troubling image of, um, in the background of a couple of muscly dudes hassling a lady, who I'm guessing is the Marion, the uh, love interest, presumably, of either Billy or Jimmy Lee or both. We don't know what's going on there. And then, also in the background, up on the roof of a building, his size proportional to the size of the building, making it suggest that he's like King Kong or something. Uh, but he's all in shadow, so we can't see, you know, back, you know backlit by the moon, uh, some sort of weird shadow dude. I'm going to guess that's the shadow boss. I just got that. I just made that connection. I am very, very clever. That's why I have a podcast. All right, well, enough about the cover. Um, Sometimes I say I really like the artwork on the cover or on the game cartridge, and I want it framed and put on my wall. This is not one of those things. Billy and Jimmy Lee look sort of like um, zombie He-Man. And that just uh, honestly doesn't do anything for me. So, you know, if you're looking for uh, birthday gifts for me, uh, that might not be something to get. All right. According to the manual, Double Dragon was developed by Imagineering Inc., directed by Alex DeMio, programmed by Tommy Hahn, artwork by Jesse Capilli, audio by Alex DeMio, produced by Perry Rogers, product testing by Steve Imus, Gary Barth and Mike Norton, product management by John Crompton. Player's Guide by Hunter Cohn. I've never seen the Player's Guide. Again, if you guys have, let me know. Oh, this is also interesting. I never really look at this part of the manual, so this is kind of interesting. There's a thing on here that says, uh, I guess from Imagineering Inc., uh, or Activision actually, for a recorded message about our newest software called this phone number, and there's a technical help number. Uh, did anyone ever call, you know, like a, as a kid, get permission from your parents because it's a long distance number, unless you're in the 415 area code? Did you ever call the Activision number to find out about the newest software? Because I guess, you know, no internet, so that's probably how you had to do it. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Anyway, moving on. I guess I didn't say when this game came out, by the way. The Player's Guide is copyright 1989. Uh, what year did this game come out? Hold on, just a second.
Looks like the game came out in 1987. Thank you, Internet. And that would be about right, because I played this game a lot with my friends at the arcade, the brief time that my town had an arcade that wasn't, you know, one of the generic chain arcades like Lens Castle or something. We had, like, a legit freestanding non-chain arcade for a brief time. Uh, and we put a lot of cores into it in 1987. Uh, ladies, that would have been the time. So I concur with the Internet. The manual tells us that this is the ultimate challenge. Twin brothers. Who, by the way, look at the cover. They ain't twins. Well, maybe they are, but they have different hair color. Nah, I'm still saying they're not twins. Anyway, twin brothers, Billy and Jimmy Lee, learned to fight the hard way for survival in the unforgiving city streets. Their brand of combat, classic martial arts maneuvers mixed with anything-goes street brawling, has turned them into walking lethal weapons. Totally different franchise, by the way. Now the Lees must summon all their fighting abilities and cunning into meeting the greatest challenge of their lives, rescuing Billy's girlfriend, Marion. She's been kidnapped. Not, I'm guessing, by the way, the same Marion from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Although, if it was, that would be an awesome crossover. She's been kidnapped by the Black Warriors, the savage street gang, gang led by the mysterious Shadow Boss. The twins pursue the Black Warriors through the city streets and its outskirts. Finally, they fight their way into the secret enemy base. Okay, hold on. I've had this complaint about other games, too. If you're going to have a secret base, don't call it the secret base. Especially since, apparently, it's not that hard to find. Because these dudes found it while fighting the whole way. So, you know, maybe you want to rethink your secret base strategy. Anyway, there, Billy and Jimmy meet the Shadow Boss. It's a battle to the finish with Marion as the prize. I'm sure Marion, like most women, really appreciates being the prize. But anyway, we may have thoughts on that later. Manual tells us how to load the game. The battle begins. Either one or two players can battle it out against the Shadow Boss's henchmen. Um, so you start the game. There are several fighting moves. Use the joystick and joystick button as described below to activate these blows. Punch. Press the left button. Elbow punch. Move the joystick diagonally up and to the right and press the left button to throw a left elbow punch. And diagonally up and to the left and press the left button to throw a right elbow punch. Because that's not confusing at all. You'll throw the elbow punch in the opposite direction from the one you're facing. Which makes sense, I guess, but it's hard to do that in your brain while you're trying to play the game. Jump. Move the joystick up and press the right button. Kick. Press the right button. Jump kick. Move the joystick up and press the right button once to jump and again to kick. Reverse jump kick. Move the joystick down diagonally toward the direction you are facing and press the right button. Headbutt. Tap the joystick twice toward the direction you are facing. What game was it? I think it was an arcade game. Maybe it did it on the home version too. I don't even remember what game it is or where I played it, but there was, when you would do a headbutt in the game, the computer would say, headbutt, headbutt, headbutt. And it was just amusing. If anyone knows what that game is, let me know, because it's going to bug me. We're told you can also maneuver around the fighting area by moving the joystick around. Well, duh. We knew that. Weapons. In some battles, the Black Warriors have weapons. Bats, whips, and knives. To knock weapons out of an enemy's hands, punch or kick them. To pick up a weapon, stand over it and punch. Press the left button. Fighting it out. Each player's score, remaining lives, and strength bar are displayed above the fighting screen. Remaining units of time and the current high score are also shown. You get 70 units of time to make it through each of the first and second missions. You get 90 units of time to make it through each of the third and fourth missions. In the middle of the third mission, the timer is reset to 90 units of time. Watch your strength. When you begin the fight, your strength bar is full. As you fight and receive blows, your strength is reduced. When the strength bar is empty, that life is over. When the number of lives remaining is zero and the strength bar has been drained, the game is over. After each mission you complete, and halfway through the third mission, your strength bar is refreshed. 
but you don't earn more lives. You must get to the Shadow Boss's enemy base on your original three lives. Well, poop. Um, which is interesting, because, you know, in this game, there's, like, a lot of these... Unlike a lot of these games, there aren't really any of the uh, power-up things, right? You can't pick up uh, a turkey leg to get health, or you know, a medicine bag, or, or a little power pellet or something. You just you get what you get. Scoring. The score is based on the kicks and punches you land and the types of weapons you use. Punch is 50, kick is 100, elbow 8180, jump kick 200, headbutt 200, batter whip 200 apiece, knife 500. Billy and Jimmy Lee clash with the Black Warriors in four different areas. Going gets tougher as the tough get going. I'm thinking they're ripping off a song lyric there, but anyway. Mission 1 is the city slums, mission 2 is the industrial areas, mission 3 outskirts of the city, mission 4 the enemy base of the shadow boss. Battle strategy. You can't drop your weapon, but it can be taken away from you during the heat of battle. Keep your distance while slugging it out. Don't squander your lives early on! Exclamation point. You'll definitely need all your strength once you're locked in battle with the shadow boss. Keep an eye on the timer. If your time runs out before you polish off your opponent, you lose a life. If it's your last life, the game is over. Activision, by the way, offered a limited 90-day warranty, in case you're wondering. I'm going to have to look at a calendar. This game might be past its 90-day warranty, so I hope it works. Attention! The last page of the manual tells me. Corrections to Double Dragon 7800 Instruction Manual. Credits. Product testing by Steve Imus and Jerry Barth. So, you know, forget what I said earlier. Fighting controls. Headbutt. Move the joystick down and press the left button. Watch your strength. Page 7. You will earn an extra life every 50,000 points. Well, there you go. You get an extra life. Therefore, it is not imperative that you reach the enemy base of the Shadow Boss on your original 3 alive. But if you don't, you're still a failure. I added that last part. Scoring. Page 8. Jump kick. 100 points. Reverse jump kick. 200 points. There you go. So you can stop yelling at me through your internet device. I read you the corrections. Double Dragon was originally developed as a 1987 beat-up, beat-em-up action video game developed by Technos Japan and distributed North America and Europe by Taito. It was a successor to Technos' earlier game, which I cannot pronounce in Japanese, but was released outside of Japan by Taito as Renegade, which I'm not familiar with. Some of you might be. But it introduced several additions, such as two-player cooperative gameplay and the ability to arm oneself with an enemy's weapon and arming them. I like the two-player dual gameplay thing. I play this with my kids sometimes, and it's, he doesn't really have the patience for a two-player game where you have to take turns. He, I mean, he's seven, so he doesn't really care to play two-player games. He will, but he doesn't really like it when you know one player goes and then his round is done and, and then you get to go. But he likes playing these two-player games where we can play at the same time. I'm guessing primarily so that he can do stuff the whole time and not have to sit and wait. Uh, and I do like that part too. And it, it was cool uh, when you're on the, in the arcade too, because you don't have to just stand there while your buddy plays. You can play at the same time. Double Dragon is considered to be one of the first successful examples of the genre, resulting in the creation, uh, the genre being the, the beat-em-up dual-player game, resulting in the creation of two arcade sequels and several spin-offs, as well as inspiring other companies in creating their own beat-em-ups. Uh, I'm not really familiar with the Double Dragon sequels. Don't know much about them. I uh, don't think I ever really played them. Home versions were released for the NES, the Master System, Atari 2600, 7800 of course, Atari ST, Amiga, Amstrad, CPC, Commodore 64, Game Boy, Genesis Mega Drive, and Atari Lynx, among other platforms. A remake titled Double Dragon Advance was released for the Game Boy Advance in 2003. The NES version was re-released for the Wii's Virtual Console on April 28, 2008 in North America at a cost of 500 Wii points. 
Nintendo also released the Game Boy version on the N Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console in 2011, none of which I'm uh, familiar with. In the arcade version, there are several different types of enemies, and they all have names, apparently. I won't go through all the uh, bios, but basically the names are Williams, Ralper, Linda, Abobo, Jick, Jeff, and Willie. The original arcade version displayed 384 colors on the screen out of a, a 4096 12-bit color palette. The hardware used several 8-bit microprocessors running in parallel. 16-bit processors were expensive at the time the game was first released. Double Dragon was ported to the family computer by Technos Japan in 1988, published for the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America by Trade West, who got the license to produce other home versions of the game as well, and by Nintendo in Europe. I mentioned some of the other releases earlier. I won't go through that again. The most notable difference the NES version has from the arcade game is the omission of the arcade's two-player cooperative game mode in favor of alternating play. The plot was altered as a result. Instead of having both Lee brothers as protagonists, the NES version has players controlling Billy Lee as the lone protagonist, with Jimmy Lee serving as the antagonist and true leader of the Black Warriors. The NES version, because of technical limitations, can only have two enemies on screen at a time, and both of them are the same character. There's also some limitations with regard to the weapons. Activision released versions of Double Dragon for the Atari 2600 and 7800, and the same year ports of Double Dragon were released by Melbourne House for the following computer platforms. Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, Amstrad CPC, and IBM PC. Binary designs worked on all five versions. And there have been a slew of other platforms too. The arcade version was very well received upon release. Commodore user gave it 9 for graphics, 7 for sound, 9 for toughness, 10 for endurance, and 9 for value. Overall score of 9 out of 10. In the July 87 issue of Computer and Video Games, Clara Edgeley described the sordid street fights as great fun when you've got the guts and if you manage to get hang of the controls. All the ingredients are there for a really addictive martial arts style. Kick them to bits. Crash Magazine in 87 said it was the best game of its kind around and thoroughly addictive, including that it is depraved, sick, bloodthirsty, violent, and I love it. Um, other magazines said more or less the same thing that it's kind of sick, but it's really addictive. So there you go. As always, you guys are invited to send me your reviews. Is this game too sick for all you delicate flowers? Or is it just the right amount of sick for all you retro gaming type people? So let me know. As a kid, most of my arcade gaming was not really at an arcade. And I've talked about, you know, waiting for my pizza at Happy Joe's and playing the couple of video games they had there. Uh, occasionally I'd make you know, I'd go on a family trip up to Minnesota for, you know, an evening of games and pizza at Showbiz Pizza, the sort of parallel reality version of Chuck E. Cheese. We did in my town, when the mall opened, have sort of one of those shiny plastic generic chain Aladdin's Castle arcades. But for some reason, going there just never really became a thing for me. It didn't really grab me for whatever reason. I don't really know why. But for a while in my hometown, we had a legitimate freestanding non-chain uh, sort of grubby looking arcade. It was called the GameStop. It was small. It was pretty tiny. There was probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 games in there. Maybe not even that many. And I think the, the place was literally a converted gas station convenience store that they kind of well, you want to say they boarded up the windows. Actually, what I think they did, it was kind of like a bat cave kind of thing. You walk in, and there's, like, a dude at the counter. Maybe it was actually still a functioning gas station, now that I think about it. With, like, a, just a regular convenience store. But you go in, and, and but then you go downstairs, and I think there was, like, a token machine. And you could get ten tokens for a buck, and then play all these games. So my friends and I would do that. This had to have been in our middle to later years of high school, because... 
uh, we could drive, and that's the way we could get there. So Double Dragon was one of the, of the handful of games that we always played. Uh, my friends and I actually got pretty good at it. We also liked to play Xenophobe, and this other game that I can't remember the name of, maybe it was Rambo, but it was a Rambo-type game where you're sort of this jungle warrior kind of guy, and there's you drive around in tanks, and sometimes you jump out of the tank and shoot people and blow stuff up and whatever, and that was fun. And there was a pro wrestling game, maybe it was called Wrestling, I think it had a name, which was cool because you could have up to like four people playing at the same time as wrestlers, and you could like hop out of the ring and throw chairs at people and stuff, and that was fun. So that's what we did in my, my limited arcade experience, and Double Dragon was definitely one of those that we spent a lot of quarters on, a lot of tokens on. So, after the break, I'm gonna, well, before the break, during the break, I'm gonna run to the mirror check my mullet, and, uh, you know, do a little stretching. Because after the break, we're getting our street brawl on. Okay, so, yo, Jimmy, this is like a Mad Max dystopian future kind of blockbuster sort of epic adventure, right? No? The, oh, then it's the Rocky kind of thing, yeah? Scrappy young kids make good and rise from the streets to be rich, famous athletes? What? No? What? Is this that thing where we just walk around in the streets fighting people with whips and bats and stuff? No! <laughs> shot of the woman getting punched in the face. We'll probably have things to say about that. Um, there's the cool, I'm guessing, Corvette in the garage. Now here's me. Little Billy. I never got a royalty for them using my name, which I'm a little upset about. Looking good in my mullet, which is, on my screen is vaguely green, like I dyed my hair and went swimming in a chlorine-filled pool. Here comes another dude. He looks a little bit like... Lionel Richie? I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. Actually, okay, he doesn't look anything like Lionel Richie. That was the first thing that came to mind. My butt handed to me. I lost a life already, and I'm not, not even away from the Corvette yet. Ooh, a bunch of guys. Apparently it's hard to fight and talk at the same time, despite what you've seen in every action movie ever. game. You can probably hear the little click 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 of the uh, controller on the microphone. Sorry about that. Wow, I lost another guy already. I'm usually better than this, I promise. Um, it's a good looking game. The, uh, the backgrounds are uh, 
pseudo-realistic, I guess, for an 80s game. This game looked really good in the arcade, I remember that. And looks really good on the 7800. I've never played the 2600 version, I don't know what it looks like there. Uh, if any of you folks do, let me know. I'm about to lose another guy. No! Don't go into the light, Billy! No! Oh well. Back to you in the studio. Alright, I want to take a moment uh, to talk about controller choice. <clears throat> in my limited life, in my short life so far as a 7800 owner, I have learned, as many of you already know, that the Atari 7800 standard controller that it comes with um, just really, really sucks. The controller itself is fine, but it leads to, it's awkward to hold, and it leads to near instantaneous hand cramps when you play a game. So I, like a lot of you, purchased my Ed Ladin adapter and my 7800 uh, Genesis controller, and that is typically what I use to play 7800 games, which causes some problems when I play with my kid, because he likes to use the uh, Sega controller too, but I only have the one Ed Ladin adapter. I suppose I should buy another one. So one of us has to use the 7800, the standard 7800 controller, which usually ends up being me. That said, for Double Dragon, I actually prefer to use the crappy 7800 controller, you know, hand cramps and all, because having that joystick, for me, feels easier to move my guy around. I have trouble using all buttons to do the, the walking and the jumping and the punching and all of that, for some reason. My kid doesn't have any trouble at all, but my head, my old person head, it just kind of it feels awkward, more awkward. Uh, not that I'm an expert with all the different punches and kicks, uh, even with the regular joystick controller, but it just feels better to me. I just kind of play through the hand cramps. Maybe it informs my performance. I don't know. So, as far as the game itself, I don't know. People, do we have a problem with the fact that the very first shot in the game is a dude punching a woman in the face? I don't know, in the modern climate, that just seems sort of troubling, I guess. My kid has never commented on it. I'm not sure he's ever paid that much attention to it. I don't know that he even really realizes that it's a dude punching a woman. But I do, and I kind of wonder, well, I don't know, does that send a message of some sort? Some of the henchmen are women too, I guess. Uh, in other games from that era, of course, had women uh, punching guys and vice versa like Mortal Kombat, for example. I don't know, this one is just, it's not, that first shot is not really a fight. It's just this woman standing there. Dude punches her and throws her over his shoulder. You know, and back in that day, a game like this was marketed to everyone. I, I think if he did it today, it might have a, a warning label on it, you know, rightly or wrongly. You know, this isn't a debate necessarily about rating video games. And I certainly don't think video games create violent kids. And like I said, my kid plays this game. I don't have a problem with it. But it is something to think about, I guess. Double Dragon is a violent game and is cartoony bloody, right? Occasionally, I think there are some shots where you see a little bit of sort of pixelated blood. I may be wrong. I may be thinking of another game. But it's certainly not overdone. certainly not blatant. In the game, you know, for example, because, like, punching women in the face, it's not really a politically correct game, necessarily. But, you know, it's definitely not Mortal Kombat. You're not ripping spines out of anybody. But, you know, darn it, the game is also really a lot of fun. You know, like I said, a game, if you made this game and marketed it today, it might have a warning label on it with an age rating. And I get that, I guess. But like I said, my kid plays it, and for him, it's just goofy, 
cathartic fun. Well, goofy fun. I don't know if it's cathartic or not. I think as a kid, sometimes I played the punching games, and it was sort of cathartic, like boxing games and stuff. Kind of work out, you know, some of the stuff bouncing around your head. Get it out on the screen by punching a a fake uh, computer-generated person on the screen. My kid's never gotten into a fight at school, but his hand-eye coordination and his imagination are off the charts. So, you know, there's that. Uh, We're going to keep on playing. Whatever else can be said about this game, it's also bouncy and colorful and mullet-filled, much like the 1980s itself, which is why we thought this week's story should be a spoken word Atari Bytes power ballad. So here we go. The debut of the soon-to-be number one hit Double Dragon, The Love Ballad. Marion, dear Marion, my love is the black warrior that punches you like carrion. Wait, that's gross love. Maybe my love is like a dove. Wait, no, Jimmy Lee eats those. Jimmy's my brother. Billy and Jimmy, Jimmy and Bill. Our muscles do damage. Oh yes, they will. Are we the double dragons? Or are those the bad guys? Jimmy says double means two. That seems wise. But he also eats paste and snuffs candles with his eyes. Anyway, my love is like the alleys and mean streets of our small hamlet, down which we walk in leg warmers and wrestling singlet. Your beauty flows and we drink of it, like the hair in Jimmy's and my mullet. Whips won't stop me, not chains or fists. How do I love thee? I'll make a list. One? Uh, you're hot. In a way, Jimmy is not. Truth hurts, Jimmy. About our enemy, the Shadow Boss. Well, you said he was, uh, totally boss. Those words, they cut me like the knife of some street tough, against which even my roundhouse kick was not enough. But that kick is still pretty sweet. Better than Jimmy's, anyway. And I got mad, said some stuff about that. Took a whack at our love like a thug with a bat. You were gone, then, off with your gang. Up on that rooftop, Jimmy and me left to hang. I had to get inside your secret enemy base. I was tired of putting Jimmy in a mask of your face. Jimmy and me, we fought and we punched. Jerk after dweeb, we ate their lunch. Then we saw him, the secret boss. Jimmy flopped down like dental floss. Truth hurts, Jimmy. Yeah, I was scared, but ain't no thing. Your love is a shield that makes my fists sing. With you in my sight, I stepped into the last fight. Well, he smacked me down good with one giant fist. My health meter fell. This could have been it. The boss batted my kicks, dodged every punch. But then you called out my name, said you loved me so much. So I got off the ground, a flurry of elbow punches. The boss was stunned, cursed me in bunches. A reverse jump kick and a crushing headbutt. The more he struggled, the more tired he got. He glared and he grunted, but the battle was lost. Down he crashed, finished at last. You were free, our troubles were past. Jimmy is down, I'm beaten and bloody. But you, you're a smoking hot hottie. Still confused about the double dragon thing, though. 
And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Show notes are available at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. You can find Atari Bytes, by the way, on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and many other places. Please reverse elbow punch a review onto iTunes, by the way. Also, you can support the show financially on our Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. And, if you have time to check out my other show, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, you will get an earful of awesome, awesome Snoopy and Charlie Brown antics. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. Sneak and peek. I have no idea what this game is. So let's find out. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.